New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. We all want to feel and even look our absolute best. But the truth is, most people find it challenging to make health a top priority. That's exactly why I created the Dr. Gundry Podcast. Because if there's one thing I want everyone to know, it's that you do have the power to take control of your health and live the life you deserve. Check out the Dr. Gundry Podcast today. Hey now, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you all being here and keeping the winds in the sail of that Corolla Power Ship. Don't forget to check out uh, After Dark. Uh, I want the Corolla Faithful over there. I think you guys would enjoy that. And don't forget the streaming shows. We've gotten very popular. We're sort of interviewing people with controversial opinions, trying to make sense of all that. Also, I take calls there too. And that is at 3 o'clock. Those are live calls off Twitter spaces. 3 o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sorry, 3 o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Pacific time. Uh, hang out there if you will. Today... I'm so pleased to welcome back Dr. Dan Siegel. He has, is a, this is his four-timer. I was watching the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, last, uh, they had an old episode with Tom Hanks on Saturday night, and they had a five-timer club, and Dan is in the four-timer club. He was here uh, episode 104 in 2014, 252 in 2016, and 350 in 2018. What's even weirder than that is I can't believe I've been doing this damn thing since 2014. His uh, new book, which you should run out and get, is Mui, Me Plus We as the Integration of Self, Identity, and Belonging. So much to talk about. came out in November, but you can get it right now. Exploring a more sustainable way of humans facing the multiple pandemics of our time together. You can find Dr. Siegel at Dr. Dan Siegel. His Siegel is spelled S-I-E-G-E-L, drdansiegel.com, Twitter at Dr. Dan Siegel, Instagram, Dr. Dan Siegel. And Dr. Siegel, of course, is also a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA at the medical school and the founding co-director of the Mindfulness Awareness Research Center, also at UCLA. Dan, welcome back. Drew, it's great to be here with you, and I can't believe it's my fourth time, too. And I'm fourth glad you you keep on doing these great conversations. Thank you. Crazy, like 10 years of this. So, yeah. I, you know, I feel, like, I feel like podcasting is a brand new thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing it 10 years, that's weird. Uh, so, I want to talk all about the book. First, I want to ask the question you mentioned in the sort of uh, description of the book, multiple pandemics of our time. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, pandemic means something that's affecting all people, you know, so it's something that goes around the planet. And of course, we have the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all dealing with and finishing up our third year of it. Talk about years. Oh, um, yeah. And that has taught us, you know, that we're profoundly connected to one another as a global community, as a human family. Mm. But there are other pandemics when you look across different cultures, you know, we have a huge amount of social injustice. And we've seen this with how marginalized people are affected even more by the virus. So racism and social injustice is one. In the United States, you know, we're experiencing what many other countries are experiencing, which is a, another kind of pandemic, polarization. 
where we just can't seem to find our way to each other. And we divide up into these groups. Each group thinks the other is filled with misinformation, you know, and so there's almost like alternative realities. And that's around the planet, too. Uh, another form of pandemic, believe it or not, is addiction to screens and digital addictions, um, where people are, you know, in part driven by, I think, their loneliness, which is a, yet another pandemic, uh, finding some kind of way we want to, through social media, get connected to each other. But as you know from the research, the more time you spent on social media, the worse you feel. And that makes you want to do it even more, which is obviously almost the definition of an addiction. Mm -hmm. so, so we can talk about that. But another pandemic that might be underlying these you know, human-based pandemics is the fact that we, we define the self as separate. And this relates to even uh, another pandemic, which is the climate crisis that all of us are facing, the, the way uh, we excessively differentiate because of this view of being separate, human beings separate from other human beings, human beings separate from other species, you know, so we treat Earth like a trash can. So I wrote the book, you know, interconnected, we, me plus we, you know, as this way of really diving deeply into what might be the splinter, you know, that's making us limp as a human family with all these pandemics. And, you know, as a physician, as I do too, if someone comes to you, you know, a patient, they've got a problem. Let's say they said, hey, Dr. Drew, I'm, I'm limping. I don't know why, but I'm limping and I, my back is aching. My, my neck is aching. I, I, I'm limping, but I just don't know why. We would say, okay, sit down. Let me hear more about the limp. Okay, I see. Can I take off your shoe? Can I take off your sock? And let's look at what's on your feet. What's what's in the sole of your feet? And so the book proposes that what's in the basically the splinter of the soul of the human psyche in modern society is a view where we take the simple word. This is going to sound ridiculously simple, but we take the word self. And in modern culture, we equate that with the individual. So here there's Drew with a self, there's Dan with a self, we have two selves, anyone listening, they have the body that defines their self. So in the book, I said, well, hold on now, what if the way we view our center of experience is much broader than the individual? And then you would sense the relationships you have with people in your family, with people who are in your community, with people maybe who are not like you maybe to all human beings, and then even feel into what that means to be sensing your connection to all of nature. And then you take the perspective and then act on behalf of it. And that, you know, I'm an acronym nut, but that's the SPA, sensation, perspective, and agency, agency, how we act on behalf of something that really is what the self is about. So you can actually expand that. So what I suggest in the book is that the way to remove the splinter that's causing these pandemics is to look at a simple word like self and imagine how we could have a modern way of living that says, yes, you have a me, that's the individual part, but you are also a we. And this is where the me plus we equals we comes in. So we don't give up individuality and go all the way to, oh, we're just collective and all one. No, it's about integrating these where integration is you differentiate the me, you differentiate the we, and you bring them together. So the book takes you on a journey through lots of different ancient teachings, 
from contemplative practices where people have been meditating for years and years and years, and these are thousands of years old in the teaching, even indigenous teachings, you know, so people from all of the different cultures for thousands of years also have been saying this. And then I bring a scientific lens to say, you know, how do we add to that conversation? So, you know, I don't know if you've felt this, Drew, but when you walk around and just talk to people in the quiet of certainly in therapy sessions, I'm a therapist, but also just, you know, around dinners with friends, walking down the street at a store, people are describing feeling like business as usual is not working. Something is profoundly wrong. So this is a book to address that and say, here's what might be wrong. Here's the splinter. Here's how we can actually take the splinter out and stop limping and in fact, go forward in a more balanced, harmonious way. Okay. A ton packed in there. So um, I feel like you've, you've, you've reviewed this book before. I feel like you've said this once or twice. So, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, business as usual. Uh, I, I also sense a real craving for connection. Wherever I go, people are – and yet in this country – I feel like the polarization is preventing some of that connection from being fully actualized. I was just in Spain and Portugal, and and they and I, the year before that I was in France, and they they they're they they're they're out, they're in it, they're together, they're in the street, they're going to the cafes, they're they're all about it. They they know that's what they're doing here. I mean, they know that's the value, but the, in, we, embedded in that is also a celebration of their language and their culture and their history. They, they celebrate it all, the food, and here it's all disdained. Everything's bad. We're all we're a, we're a product of a horrible history, and we should be guilty and ashamed, and this should be undone. And so we're we're disconnected by some of this uh, acrimony that that is so present right now, and so. I'm, I'm, do you agree with that so far? Because I've been building I agree a with theory it completely. here. Yeah. I agree with it completely. And the word disconnected is so powerful, Drew. And yeah, yeah I agree with it completely. Yeah. Okay. So there's this kind of weird disconnect we have in this country. So then you have to ask yourself, well, why, why us? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, in my and, – and by the way, uh, Dr. Siegel comes out of the world of interpersonal neurobiology, something I've been fascinated by for the last 15 years, and Dan's been in it forever – and it's natural that he would be talking to us about we because interpersonal neurobiology is specifically about you and me. It, that's where that science has been worked out. I I believe I don't know if you have I think I probably threw this at you once a few years ago, but I believe that that interpersonal component is so powerful in the human experience that that is actually where consciousness comes from. I think I think without the reflective function of somebody looking back on you, you, you don't really have consciousness in the way we think of consciousness. You have sort of behavior and and feelings, but you don't have consciousness. You can't reflect without somebody mirroring you, reflecting you, where you learn what it is to be reflected by another brain. Is there yeah. anything in that for you? Oh, there's a lot in that. Yeah. I mean, we could we could take that down, but absolutely. And I'm thinking about you know, in your incredible contributions about addiction, the the statement that the opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah, and regulation, and regulation, and, and, the, and, and they regulation. go together. How do you and, feel? Yeah, how do you feel? That, what's the role of connection and disconnection in addiction? Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, I mean that that you know it, that goes right down to the you know that goes bypasses consciousness and goes right to the biology of numbing and disconnecting from feeling states, but. 
this is a very pertinent question to have asked for where I'm trying to go here. I've been preoccupied – when I wrote my book in 2014 about narcissism, I, I've been preoccupied that we've been in a another pandemic. And if I had to characterize it, I would say a pandemic of childhood trauma. You could even liberalize it to adverse childhood experience pandemic. And we can argue about whether this is an unusual thing or it's a historically relevant thing. I would argue the proof is in the pudding. The way we're behaving, we're behaving like it has been an unusual amount of this stuff. And it certainly felt to me like an unusual amount. And when I look back, it's sort of all the – anyway, I'm not going to belabor that. But but I would posit that childhood trauma is another pandemic we've been through. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. And, you know, if you just – uh, to weave the last two things, you, you brought up the question of consciousness. When a child is going through adversity, their very experience of consciousness, that not only their awareness of themselves, but just their sense of being alive is is really constricted. Yes, that was um, exactly the word I was thinking, constricted. It, it, yeah. It's like it, it, it atrophies it in some weird way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and But so, it also fragments it, right? And in addiction, it's the fragmenting that that uh, I'm facing all the time. At least, if you, as I always say, if you have bad enough addiction that you need to see me, the fragmenting is always there. Uh, I'm not saying in all addictions all the time. Just if you're my patient, I can predict with very high degree of accuracy that you'll have this stuff. And so the connecting, and I'm always preaching this to patients: connect to others, connect to self, connect to others, connect to self. If you can, if I can reach you. And I can feel those parts of yourself that you're not really feeling right now. You can, I can help you connect to them as well. Does that fit? It does. But let me ask you a question about that. And this is, it's really a question. And I, I try to ask it in all sorts of ways in the interconnected book. Um, let's take what you just said about the word self. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, you and I know there's something called self-regulation and there's self-awareness and there's self-understanding. All these words self and what I do in the book is say, now, why don't we just call it inner instead of self and say that the other in co- the other person is actually a part of who you are. And if who you are is what we mean by self, then let's take what you just said. And you would say to your patient, um, you know, first you connect interpersonally. Yes. And then you go inward. Intrapersonal. Inwardly. Intrapersonal. In, yeah, intra. Yeah, yeah, inner. You say there's an inner, there's an inter, there's an inner, and there's an inter. Yeah. And what I do for the word intraconnected yeah. uh, is say, look, you can have both. You can have the inner and the inter, and you put them together as the intro. It's the me and the we as we. Yeah, yeah. And, and how does that feel? Because if we started changing the way we use language, it's tried, it's, it's, it, I, if you don't mind – Say what you just said to me again, but this time instead of saying yeah. self, other, self, other, so, try. So if if I know. if I can feel as a component of me a, a part of me that you're not feeling, you can join me in that connection. Yeah, beautiful, right? How does that feel when you say it like that? It's it feels feels more. It feels a little uh, exciting, actually. It feels like poetic, kind of like like that's we're getting at something. Yeah. And if it helps people understand it better, then I'm really excited about it. Because uh, then, because what you just did for the person you just said that to your patient is said, look, um, connection is what we're made of. So you have a inward connection that's the me. You have the interconnection that's the we, and you put them together as we the way you so poetically and powerfully said it. 
and there is an excitement to it. And think, Drew, if people like yourself or anyone can have pervasive leadership, I was saying yourself because you influence a lot of people, inspire people. What if there was a way to make that little shift, even like in the way we use the word self? So you start saying the word inner for the way we used to use self as separate. And here in the United States, by the way, scientists tell us we have the most individualistic culture in the world. Yeah. And, and that's probably explaining why there's just this incredible sense of division. We're all separate when, in fact, we're made of connection. But we don't want to have to get rid of the inner. We can embrace the relational, the inter, the we. So this is where the word we came up. You know, I, I was giving a talk on me to we, and one of my students got really mad. And she said, you know, you're a hypocrite why am I a hypocrite? And she said, look at your talk. It's called me to we, which implies get rid of the me and only go to we. And she was right. And that's where, when I was struggling to find another name with her help, I said, well, if it integrated, you have to keep the essence of the inner as me, keep the essence of the relational as we. And if you want to have them both together, I guess you'd say we, M-W-E. And she got so excited, just like you did. And when, when I offered this to people, almost like a question, like, why not live as a we instead of only as either a me or a we? You actually can have both. And then people feel liberated. Well, I, I fear that there's uh, a bias that we have to sort of put out on the table as Americans, an anthropological bias against uh, collective. Yeah. Uh, it, because of our individualistic history and this sort of we, we the not we the people, but we the people, each individual's, you know, there's this weird blush of all that. And I think to get people to think this way, it's very important to go, we are not, this is psychological, guys. We're not saying there should be an economic system necessarily as a part of this. We're saying that if you wish, good, but if not, also good. But it's about that collective, it's about what I was talking about in France and Spain. They're, they're just, appreciating each other, communing with each other, being enthusiastic about being each other. We've been in lockdown for three years. We, we, let's let's enjoy the we. Let's enjoy that. There's so much richness there that we have been deprived of. Forget, don't don't put that historical... I think our history is like really screwing us up right now. You're right. Yeah. All the separateness and the, the biases yeah. in either direction. Just like, put it aside, guys. Yeah. Exactly. And there are lots of windows of opportunities to, to embrace. There are lots of windows of opportunity to embrace this shift. And it's a subtle shift, but it's a really important shift. So in the book, what I do is I go through lifespan moments across from, from you know, birth all the way to you know, our seniority, you know, in, in aging. These moments that we can actually make this change happen. And the cool thing about it is, because cultural evolution can happen really quickly compared to genetic evolution. Yes. Conversations like the ones we're having right now, or anyone listening can actually start having this conversation, start just in a gentle, supportive way, adjust the way you use the word self so that when you meant the old way, and especially in the United States, we said self, just say inner self if you want to keep the self word there, but then talk about a relational self. Because then you'll realize you're in relationship to people in your community, your relationship to all of nature. And, you know, all the studies show it's going to be a win-win-win situation. It's going to be a win for your own well-being. It's going to be a win for the well-being of the people around you. And we know from the way nature is waiting for us to realize it's not 
man and nature. It's not humans versus nature. We are nature. And so it'll win that way too. So it, the really the, the the thing that really happened when I finished writing this book, which took many, many years, was it was like an invitation for us to have these kinds of conversations. It gives the rigorous science. It talks about these ancient wisdom traditions too that have been asking us to think about this for thousands of years. But then it brings a science with a new sense of urgency saying, look, if all these pandemics may be worsened by, maybe even caused by the construction of a separate self called a solo self, you know, the good news is if the human mind constructed that in modern times, the human mind can deconstruct it and come up with a more generative, health-promoting way of living. So again, it's unpacked in there. I want to I want to jump on some of that uh, and just say, you know, I studied when I was doing a lot of neurobiology back in college. The retina was the main sort of um, structure of study at that time because we couldn't get at much else. Uh, and the one thing I noticed about the retina is it's mostly constructed to differentiate borders. You know what I mean? It's, it, it stimulates the most. I'm pointing at a, a book right now where I'm, I'm massaging the edge of the book. That, that edge is specifically very apparent to me visually. That's how our retina is constructed. And then our cerebral, our visual cortex just recapitulates all that. Um, I bring that up because I was watching, like, of all things, a TikTok the other day, and there was an evolutionary biologist on there. And he was essentially saying, you know, why should we expect the, our brain to be able to really uh, understand, uh, perceive reality? We didn't evolve to perceive reality. We, we evolved to survive. That all those, you know, those mechanisms were optimized, not perception of reality. And this morning, really weirdly, when I got up, I was looking at a tree and its branches and leaves, and I thought, you know, really, probably one of the the core delusions or distortions. I bet most of our brain systems are set up. Set looking at borders, just the way the retina is. It's sort of you know, yes, it's sort of digitally kind of set up, and even though it's more holistic and more you know, not specifically digital, it's biological. Uh, and I thought probably the really the the distortion we have more than anything else is is borders. Like, like that tree is really part of the air it's growing in. It's part of the ground it's growing in. It's just it's all one. We make a d distinction in our brain as as borders. And isn't it interesting? That when you get back into Eastern philosophy, there's there that's their main sort of thing, and that's what people report in uh, hallucinogenic experiences and in mystical experiences of all type. That sense of oh, that border thing that's that doesn't really exist. There's something bigger and wholer than that. So let me I'm going to stop at that, but then I want to go from there a little bit to some Western uh, lexicon. So comment on what I just said. Yeah, you know I think it's so profound what you're saying, Drew, and. Um you know, those borders, uh, I think, are part of not just the retina, but as you're suggesting, you know, in evolution, as cells developed, you know, and encapsulated what was inside, they had to distinguish that membrane, what was inside from outside. Right. And so it was the border of the membrane. You know, it was Sorry. the border. It was, sir, are you okay? Yeah. It was, it was the border of the membrane that allowed life to exist. So borders became literally a matter of life and death. I, I really think we ought to 
Like next time you're meditating, please pause there and just give me more on that because I think there's a lot packed into that very profound, simple observation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting when the audio engineer was doing, I, I was reading the Interconnected We book. Uh, he started like getting into this altered state, like a meditative <laughs> state, and we had to stop. And he, and I said, what's going on? You were hypnotizing him. <laughs> He said, this book is more like a, a transformative experience. I said, well, that's what I was hoping yeah. you're the first person to read it like that. So, so yeah, so, so the borders, you know, for our evolutionary history kept us alive, just like you're saying. So borders uh, allowed us to say what was inside the cell and protect it versus what was outside. Then when we became very social, fast forwarding to becoming mammals, especially primates, especially humans, you know, there was this thing where in-group evaluation could say, you're in my in-group, let's hang together and be collaborative. But if there's an out-group member, let's be very wary of them. Or if they are going to take our stuff, let's get rid of them or worse. Uh, So unfortunately, primates, including humans, have had this big, boundary um, establishment of who's in the in-group, who's in the out-group. So when you then extend that to modern culture, even though we are collaborative, we can make the border be just our body and say the skin encased body is really all that matters. And it's like a narcissistic view of reality. Yes. Or people like me, like my family or my friends, and that's it. People have beliefs like me, skin color like me. All these ways you can define the in-group. So interconnected is an invitation to say... You know, that evolutionary way we detect borders, like the retina does, like you're profoundly pointing out, you know, almost makes the human mind construct noun-like visions of entities that are Mm -hmm. separate from each other instead of verb-like processes that are deeply connected. That's how we're constructed, yeah. We're sort of, at least we can do better, but we're biased that way, it seems. But yeah, um, yeah, But you can overcome it. That's the thing about it. You can overcome the 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 step of nounifying things and making things like separate entities and see their deep connections. Like to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they have water purifiers to fit every type of home. Its proprietary purification technology is independently tested and certified to NSF standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants. It's the same technology used by all major bottled water brands, but now it's available for your home and without all the plastic waste. The filters are affordable, long-lasting, no changing filters every two to three months. AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years. It's even portable. In addition to drinking water, you can use it for your coffee, whatever it tastes great it's good for your pets and it's delivered straight to your home but really it's very easy to set up i was amazed aqua true comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee even makes a great gift then today for the dr drew podcast listeners you can receive 20 percent off any aqua true purifier just go to aqua true again a q u a t r u 
aquatrue.com. Enter the code DREW at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use that code DREW, D-R-E-W. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and you've heard me talk about BetterHelp. You know I'm an enthusiast. I appreciate the services they offer, the professionals that work there. I've referred many people and been quite pleased. When you're at your best, you can do great things, and working with a therapist can get you closer to the best version of you. It can make you feel empowered to have that person in your corner. And there's no longer any excuse, right? There's no stigma with seeing somebody online. You don't, you just don't have that excuse. What, what's, what's, what are you waiting for? If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is, of course, a great option. It is convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Drew today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp.com slash Drew. And it's so weird to me, the, the tribal thing, in that I, there must be some optimal genetic mixing because we know that genetic mixing improves the health of a population. The more genetic mixing, the better. It's so right. weird that we have this tribal thing. And yet, if you think about how that tribe worked, the males would come over and steal the females from the other tribe and get the genes that way. And yet, and yet still have these – it's so weird. That, that that part – I always try to understand things from the standpoint of biology. And that part – I, I don't I don't the biology doesn't fit for me yet. I, I there has to be some evolutionary function of the border that still allows for genetic admixture and and just yeah, you know, it's weird. Well, there's a there's a really interesting book called uh, the Birth of Everything or, or, or yeah, I think it's the Birth of Everything which basically talks about once we start accumulating stuff. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, we had to protect our stuff, yeah. and then it it became almost like a push against what exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So, and that's not been that long in our history, and so it isn't that we want to get rid of stuff. It's just how do we open up to realize there's an abundance. We really can do this uh, if we shift the way I think you know we view what the self is. I want to drift back into the nouns again and just say these ideas of we have been around for a long time. And we just reviewed how it's been around from the standpoint of a holistic embedded connection with nature and things generally. But I mean, just the the history of uh, psychoanalytic thought, it started with object relations, which is they used to call them introjects, right? Which the introjects is just it's we so and me. True. So it's really the same thing with a different language, isn't it? Well, it's interesting, Drew, you know, it, it, not only psychoanalysis, which is really focusing on the individual, but um, I mean, I'll say this as a mental health practitioner with uh, a lot of apology and, and embarrassment, you know, this field for the last oh, almost 100 years kept on saying the self is the individual. We need to improve self-realization, self-awareness, self-regulation, using the word self as the individual. And we've achieved a certain amount of success, but overall it's actually been pretty limited. And when you look at uh, the loneliness people feel and the disconnection, and now with the pandemic even more with addiction and anxiety and suicide, depression rising in levels we've never seen before, even in youth, you know, I think 
what we need to do as a field of you know me- mental health or just a, a human family is say we need to stop this mistaken identity of self equals the individual but realize this center of experience with its sensation perspective and agency this acronym spa can help you know what do we mean by self if it's not the individual well you can sense into your relationship with people you love you can feel the difference in your body when you're with others around you where there's a sense of trust and belonging you know so then we can expand it even more to say look when people in a community feel that they belong no matter what their material wealth is they're actually flourishing that's the research is very clear about that belonging is to our you know being what breathing is to the body we need to belong but so many people in modern culture the united states is just one example don't feel like they belong. Doesn't most of that belonging have to, the, the capacity for intimate belonging have to be established in the family system? Yeah, it begins there, but it doesn't end there. That's, I guess, the key is for sure. And we, you know, I talk about attachment and, and belonging in the family in the book, but then we have to go take it another step to say, yes, we can have families of belonging for sure. And then we need to realize that our connection with other people outside of the family is also a source for larger belonging and and our sense of literally belonging to nature you know is crucial and if you look at you know what's been happening with with our our relationship with nature you know we don't treat nature like it's our home we treat it like it's a trash can and you know if we really felt that nature was part of this self we sensed it we perceived through it we could act on behalf of it it would be a whole different story you know we as a family a human family are incredibly creative we're super courageous we're collaborative we have all these great features but if we define in a very narrow way self as a noun like entity that's the same as the individual you know we're kind of cooked so what we need to do and it's a simple thing you know it may not be easy but it's simple let's shift what the center of identity is with an identity lens you know and i talk about this in the book where you can actually adjust it so you can do an exercise right now even where you say you know in your body you've got you know an arm you have legs you have a, a torso you have a head you know and if you're listening to drew and listening to me you know you likely have a body so that's one way of narrowing your little your identity lens you say yes i am in this body absolutely and Drew and I are not saying you're not, you are in the body. And who you are, your identity, is actually broader than your brain and bigger than your body. So then you go, well, how can that be? Well, if you just think about people you love right now, you go, yeah, I feel connection to them. And we call that interconnected. And that's true. You have a connection with them. And then if you let that expand, say, well, I can feel I belong with them. And just... Try to remember, if it's not happening right now, that feeling of ease and comfort when you realize I do belong to my close friends, to my family. And you go, okay, wow. Now imagine if you could extend that lens to widen it, like just like you would a lens to make it wider angle. So then you go to all people who live in your community, you know, and realize that they have a sensation of perspective and agency. That is how we're defining self-experience. And you can feel into that. And 
All the research shows is that you start acting on behalf of other people, you actually are healthier and happier, you know? And if you are just seeing yourself as separate, it narrows things down. So then you can even extend to, you know, the the natural world around you. Um, Where just like you woke up this morning, Drew, and beautifully said, wow, those trees, you know, there's not really a separation of those trees and me. And that's so true, you know. So then imagine if you started living where, yes, sometimes you need to make sure you narrow the identity lens, you get in your car, you come to a red light, take that individual self me, press on the brakes of your individual car, stop the car at the red light so you don't become one with everything at the intersection, you know. But then also realize you can act on behalf of everyone at that intersection. You can act on behalf, that's the agency part, So I'm really optimistic that if this is the splinter that's making us limp along with business as usual, we can actually do something about that. And it doesn't even cost any money. This is the thing. We're not saying let's get fancy technology and do this and that. It's really a shift in how the human mind is constructing what it does with that word self, because you act on behalf of yourself. So let's take that identity lens, learn that we have one, let's learn to adjust it, and then let's really broaden how we define what the self is. You know, it, not only did we start isolating the self from other, we, in the 90s, started thinking about the brain as an isolated phenomenon. And and the word that I've been preoccupied with for many years now that you are describing and what you just said is, in, in my mind, the word is embeddedness. The brain is embedded in a body, it's embedded in an autonomic nervous system, and that brain body is embedded in relationships, and those relationships are embedded in family and social constructs and a period of history and blah, 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 blah. The embeddedness just keeps going and going and going, just much like that tree is embedded in the soil and the air and the water. It's just in embeddedness, and we, we've lost a little bit of that. <clears throat> We had lost it, and uh, Dan is asking for us to, to bring it back. And the other thing I, I want to uh, sort of focus in a little bit but I'm, this is just going to be a statement that when you say we can help others, my dis- most distinct impression is that humans are most nourished by having something to offer, a skill, a wisdom, an insight, a something, and then helping another person. Not every, not people, but a person. That seems to be more how we're constructed. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I do. And and it, it really ties into what you're saying about the word embedded. Yeah. You know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, Certainly in medicine, uh, you and I never learned this. And even when I became a, a psychiatrist, a mental health practitioner, it really wasn't taught. But for me, the way to understand you're using that beautiful term embedded is if you think about who we are, not so much as defined by a thing called your body, but think of it as, and I now know this may sound out there, but it's energy and information flow. Mm. So in this conversation, you know, we're using sound to communicate with each other. That's energy. We're doing it not like that, which is just pure energy, but with words that have symbolic meaning that's called information. So the reason it's so important, Drew, to talk about the embeddedness of things, like you're so powerfully saying, is because energy and information is not limited by the skull nor the skin. And it is literally in a scientific, you know, physical way, what actually we are embedded within. We're embedded within these energy and information flows that happen from the trees, 
to the soil, you know, to the animals, to us. We're all embedded in this. And you you may not see it with the retina of your eye. And, and you may say, oh, look, I see Drew's body different from Dan's body, different from my body. We're all separate. But that's an illusion where you are going to nounify Drew as this thing in a body rather than actually Drew as a source of energy and information flow that's going to be embedded within yeah. a whole yeah. system of yeah. other people. And and now we're talking about trees and nature. I love it. So in the remaining few minutes we have, I want to kind of throw down a challenge. And I, and I mean this as a, not a challenge so much as a question. So we both said that trauma has been big. When, when uh, childhood trauma is uh, commonplace, personality disorders are commonplace, uh, particularly the narcissistic the cluster B type, as we do, we call them that anymore. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, axis, axis two, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the narcissistic disorders, and on top of that, Stephen Porges sent me an email the other day, and he was saying that he thinks we're in this collective PTSD from the pandemic. And I thought, eh, we're certainly a little more dysregulated right now. And and so, given I, I want to just sort of set this up as a frame, lots of narcissism, pervasive PTSD. How do we get people to step out of the self that, that's so guarded in these constricted states of PTSD and narcissism? Yeah, it's a really great question. And it is a kind of uh, helpful challenge where, uh, you know, the PTSD part is um, important because in the viral pandemic, as Steve Porges is suggesting in his email, you know, we are so isolated from each other. And because we are such a social being we're a social species yeah and isolation can really feel overwhelming and life-threatening so it falls under the word trauma uh and so for that part of it you know finding a way to connect internally and also connect relationally um the studies are suggesting for example uh, let's you let's look at the process of awe awe you know if you go out in nature uh, as a first step on a regular basis, even just looking at the sky, if you live in a city, um, there's gonna be an experience of being part of something much larger than your separate self. And the studies of you know, all walks that Dacher Keltner is a researcher does this, you know, can be very helpful at opening up when you've been constricted from post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, people during the pandemic, uh, you know, medical care workers who were taught awe techniques actually could reduce their, their, their burnout and start really working directly with their ability to regulate their internal states. So awe and gratitude and compassion oh, are typically called what, three. There's a word we haven't mentioned yet, but I agree with you. And I put a little, put a little hang a lantern on it. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude super important, you know, to realize the, the, that if you're alive and breathing, there's a lot to be grateful for, you know, um, and compassion is also th those three emotions that, feeling the suffering of, of what we call others, I would call it, you know, uh, inter-compassion, you also have inner compassion, is really, really important. These kind of expand the sense of self um, and who we are. So that's for the trauma part. For the narcissism part, you know, one way to think about narcissism is it's the extreme of what we're talking about. It's the extreme of saying my identity is only this body. And that's all I'm going to be concerned about. And so there's a marked 
blockage in the ability to consider another person's feelings or point of view or experience or the impact that that person has had on others. So, you know, that that's a whole nother thing when someone has a personality issue. But, but, the, but the, I'm going to stop you, though. But because yeah. uh, when, 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 you know, one of the times, the rare times I see personality, what looks like personality disorders get better is in 12-step programs and fellowship. And it is oftentimes, there's a lot more too, but but I think I always feel like a core piece is A, entering a frame of closeness with another person uh, and being vulnerable and feeling felt in that frame. Does that fit? And that seems yeah. to reduce a lot of this, some of the, at least yeah. help reduce this stuff. I think 12-step programs are really powerful ways of, of realizing you are embedded and whatever, you know, defensive structure was created to create, you know, a narcissistic, you know, way of living in the world. You know, I think a 12-step program is great to try to work with that. I mean, there are other, you know, there are other things to consider in the world of attachment, you know, how. Well, that's what, it, know, it, that's what that is. It's kind of, a, it's, it's, a, it's trying to develop a secure attachment with another person. Exactly. But, but you have to, they have to be so motivated. See, the. The different thing about 12-step is most of the people that do the work with their sponsor, they're motivated because they know they're going to die if they don't. And so they start doing it. They're willing to do it. And they're willing to uh, sort of, for colloquial way of saying, let their guard down. They're willing to trust another person. They're willing to listen to another person. But out in the wild, narcissists aren't apt to do that. That's what I'm struggling with. How do we right. get... Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, you're you're absolutely right. And I, I there, there is... There is a journey where in the 12 step program, when you say let go and let God, you know, and I talk about this actually in interconnected where, you know, there may be a mechanism where the view that I'm in control of things and I have to be uh, determining everything and making things happen rather than I let things happen through me. Mm -hmm. And clearly you can say I let love happen through me. I let light happen through me. You know, I talk about the science of what may be beneath that transformation to go from making things happen to letting things happen. And that shift for the 12-step program, my understanding is, you know, is profound because you you realize you are embedded, as you were saying earlier, you're embedded in some deep process of life that you don't have to control or you don't have to feel like you're the boss of it but you are more like a, a conveyor of it. It comes through you. In my experience, the the necessity of some sort of faith is required for that letting go. And that faith can be in anything, just that the world's not going to come undone if you let go, whatever that faith is for you. So there's another word we could kind of throw into this. Yeah. But well, it, it, it's interesting. In, in, in the book, there's a section called Let Go and Let G-O-D. Yeah. And it's an acronym for the Generator of Diversity, mm. which is an, uh, uh, it's a long story behind that. But the short version is in this wheel of awareness practice, this kind of meditation practice that people do, in the hub of that wheel is pure awareness. And on the rim is what you're aware of. And when people do this practice, they come to realize that that hub is this spacious open place that if you look at a scientific dive into the science of energy, we talked about the mind emerging as energy that's embedded in all these layers. But when you look at the science of energy, there is this thing called the sea of potential or the quantum vacuum. It can be renamed basically the formless source of all form. 
And from a scientific point of view, it is the G-O-D. It's the generator of diversity. All the things that can happen are sitting there as potentials. So when people do that wheel of awareness practice, what's really interesting, and I talk about a, a colleague who wanted to do AA, but she didn't believe in God. So she was having a hard time. Well, she did the wheel. I told her about you know this plane of possibility, and it totally changed her ability to be in the 12-step program because hmm. when she heard the phrase, let go and let God, for her, it was this generator of diversity, and it's that hub of the wheel and the metaphor you know, that is the it's the space through which basically integration, this, this sense of connection and differentiation arises. So for her, the letting go, letting go and letting God, this generator of diversity be there, allowed her to get out of her own way and just let life happen through her. We're running out, <clears throat> running out of time and, and I feel like you and I could talk for a week. Although if you use yeah. many more acronyms, I'm going to start to worry you're going the way of Gary Busey. Be careful. Be careful now. <laughs> but Okay, no more acronyms. <laughs> but but you mentioned a word a couple of minutes ago that I think we should finish with, and we you, you just glance past it, and I'm sure it has – I have not read the book yet, unfortunately, but I will. Uh, again, let me let me do another plug in the book before we wrap this up. It is MWE, M-W-E. No, well, it's Intraconnected. Intraconnected. The, the, the time in, that MWE is a subtitle. Right. As the Integration of Self, Identity, and Belonging – Please get it now. If you want to know more about Dan, again, it's drdansiegel.com, D-R-Dansiegel, S-I-E-G-E-L. But the word love came out for a second, and then it went away. So where does yeah. that fit in? we got gratitude slipped in. we got faith slipped in. Where does love fit in? You know, Drew, I did this wheel practice with 50,000 people. And, you know, I'm a scientist as well as a therapist. And when people get in the hub of that wheel, the main description they describe about getting to pure awareness is the word love. And just as a scientist, I got to say, it's, it's as if that feeling of linking, which I think is the kind of the, what's the energy aspect of love. It's how we link to each other, you know, with deep respect, with care, with kindness. And it feels as if, I know this is going to sound odd, but that 50,000 person survey uh, gives you, gives me as a scientist, the feeling that love is almost besides being like a vital energy, it's almost like a thread of the tapestry of what life is all about. And and I say this as a scientist, where, you know, in science, we're not supposed to say love. In, in medicine, you weren't supposed to talk about love. You know, in psychiatry and the field of mental health, you're not supposed to talk about love. But I, I can't ignore it because as a scientist, this is what people describe. And And what's been helpful about it is to open up as a scientist, to the idea that we're not talking about love enough. And when I work with governments, for example, one parliamentarian who felt that love in the hub wouldn't share it with his colleagues. And when I said, why not? He said, because they, his colleagues, he said, pointing to them, would think I was weak. Mm. So if we relegate love to weakness, you know, or we can't talk about it in medicine or science, you know, I think we're going to be in deep trouble because it's really the energy that, that links us all. You know, it it caused me to think that <clears throat> perhaps I have my morning cough. This is my, I've had this since I had H one N one twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. <clears throat> um, it 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 just occurs to me that although it's a feeling, perhaps it's a motivational state. Maybe it's you know a a, a motivating system, and the and it is the motivator to a t- to connectedness. 
I right? think so. Yeah, and this takes us full circle, right? So yeah. if if you know you want to know why you connected, it's 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 a little different because it's like in connection you get to have the feeling of love. So we need to have a little motivation under it. It's almost like if you're hungry, you get to have the experience of you know nourishing or something. I don't know. I got to think about this more. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that. It's like a driving force and. You know, with the the word intra-connected, you get the connections within. That's the inner. Yeah. You get the connections between the inter and the fullness. The me plus we is we. It's filled with love because it's really the intra-connected wholeness of it. And it's I think just like you're saying, it is a motivational force, and it's a it's something we don't talk about enough. I think in our world, especially modern culture, and uh, when you when you as a scientist, if you just connect it with the linking, it's all about the intra-connected nature of things, that and, there's a wholeness within yeah, and a wholeness and, between. And we've been so steeped in disconnection, not just disconnection, but aggression and hate, which is the opposite of what we're talking about. Dan, yeah. I got to wrap it up. I, I think that's a good place to kind of uh, sort of drift to a stop, uh, even though we could just keep going, and there's no doubt in my mind, and going and going and going. What's the name of the book that where you talk more about the wheel, if people want to know about that? Yeah, that book is simply called Aware. Aware. And Becoming Aware, two, two companion books. Great. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk, if people want to see you speak, is there some, I guess the website, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. if you come to my website, there's all sorts of uh, ways to dive more deeply into any of these things. drdansiegel, D-A-N-S-I-E-G-E-L.com, and it's connected to our school, the mindsightinstitute.com. And, and you were having weekly sort of, sessions and things people could sign up for yeah we have regular sessions courses and things yeah. like that people can sign up for absolutely all right my friend it's great to spend time with you miss you uh we could just miss you too they could just go on and on but uh i thank you for writing this book and thank you for spending time with us and i hope to see you very soon beautiful thanks for having me drew dr. great dan, to connect dr dan siegel everybody and we'll see you next time for calling times and topics follow the show on twitter at dr drew podcast that's d-r-d-r-e-w podcast the music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the dr drew podcast now available on itunes and while you're there don't forget to rate the show the dr drew podcast is a corolla digital production and is produced by chris loxamana and gary smith for more information go to drdrew.com. all conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the dr drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couples retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in, watch free.